Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart.
emotions are poured out to you. Love you. 
Thank you. We came out of Texas. I think that's probably why Court and I have such a cool kindred spirit because we can say y'all <laughs> really well. And we know what boudin is. <laughs> and we know what it means when you get bowed up. <laughs> and I noticed coming here that you guys have your own little slangs and stuff. And when I first heard, I think it was Ewan? Or Ewan's? I thought, well, okay, I'm just supposed to put that in place of y'all. <laughs> but I don't know which one is better, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but we uh, found ourselves here because our grandchildren brought us here from Texas. And, you know, we just know that God has put it, when, when God's placed you someplace, even the circumstances or the situations that you think that aren't real, because I didn't want to leave Texas, and my wife certainly didn't want to leave Texas, I think it was because of swimming pool. But <laughs> when we got here, it was like, wow, we came to a pretty depressed little town in a little tiny area. But even in that little tiny town in a little tiny area, God has placed saints. He's placed yes. He's placed a core. He's placed people that haven't left here or looked at the situation and said, man, I'm out of here. And we're thankful for that because I feel God has placed us here to be those people that gird up against all the rest of you that are saints in this community to say, we're not going to allow the enemy to take over here. Amen. This is our house. This is our town. This is our state. And God is still going to be number one in the state. He's still going to be number one in the city. Yes. still going to be number one in this town. He's still going to be number one in this congregation. Yes. And he's still number one in your heart. Yes. I pray that. That he's still number one in your heart. Yes. That's not my message. But has anybody in here ever been put on the spot? <laughs> I see the hands? Anybody? Yes. Okay, at least these eight people know exactly what I feel this morning. <laughs> Because you could call me Spot. Because I am definitely been put on the spot. Candace or Lily come up to me on Friday night and says, Cliff, be prepared to speak on Sunday morning. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's like saying, um, hey Ed, would you come up here and speak? Ed was like, what? <laughs> so as I'm preparing last night, it's difficult because not being called to be a pastor, I don't have a bunch of sermons prepared or that I could just go on to sermons.com and pull <laughs> off a sermon and say, here we go. Not that pastor does that. Okay, I'm not saying that. Make sure that's recording. Yeah. <laughs> what I was getting from the Holy Spirit wasn't anything like I normally got it. He was coming to me and saying, I, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart to the to the beginning. And when I said beginning is, what's the beginning, Holy Spirit? He was saying, knowing who I am and how I speak to each and every one of you differently is important to me. Because Everyone in this room, we can, we can say something or, you know, what, what we talk about in school when you have like a gossip thing, when you'd say one thing like... Operation. Yeah. Operator. That has green hair. By the time that it got back over to that corner over there, they were talking about how elephants eat grass. And you're like, what? How did that get there, you know? So... I was asking the Lord, what is, what is it that's so important we need to talk about? And it was wisdom. And wisdom isn't um, just being smart or just having a lot of knowledge, even though knowledge is part of it. Wisdom is 
way more than just being that. It's good judgment. I'm not looking at you, Dave. Okay? We were talking about before the service about having good judgment in doing things. And I think a lot of it is this gray hair is called wisdom because there has to be experience with it to be knowledgeable and have wisdom. Young people don't have a lot of wisdom in a lot of decisions because I take my granddaughters to school every morning and I listen to two 14-year-old teenagers over here and I'm telling you, they don't have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> they don't even have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> it's interesting. I won't even go into that with you guys because if you have a 14-year-old daughter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm going to turn to, if you would, in your Bibles, to Proverbs 9, 10. That's where we're going to start this morning. And I'll be reading this out of the TPT Bible because it has a lot of passion to it. That's a little different up there. My Bible says, the TPT version says, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the One who is living understanding. In the King James Version, it states, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. In this context, the word fear means reverence, respect, and the fear of the Lord. And not a, not a terror fear, but a reverential fear. A fear that's like daddy. You know, when you were a little kid, wow, that's dad. And I, I revert, revere him because I know he can take me out if he wanted to. And he can also love me. And he normally would love me bring me back to what I needed to be doing, including those 14 year old girls. They need to be brought back sometimes. It's a reverential fear of knowing an all-seeing God that sees everything good and evil. So those of us who live a lifestyle of continual reverence towards God, we understand two things. And they're going to be long between these two, two points here. One, first one, they have a reverential fear and a revelation of knowing who God is due to their internal intimacy. Remember that word. Which is why the text tells us that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You have an understanding of who He is and the depths of his infilling love towards you, which in turn creates that internal intimacy. And that internal intimacy works differently in all of us. We all have a different level of intimacy with the Creator. So I want to tell you a story how that intimacy, how God talks to me, that intimacy. I'll tell you a story that I was just talking to a friend over coffee a couple days ago. We had a conversation about how the Spirit talks to me and how the, that intimacy works in me and how it works in my life every day. Don't worry, ladies, I asked for her permission before I went to talk about her. I was telling my friend that how Bev can hear teachings or sermons, and she would later, um, we'd hear it again, and later she'd be like, I've never heard that. <laughs> I look over at her like, I'm pretty sure that you were with me the six times that we've heard that teaching on that sermon, on that scripture. Nope. And I just get, I would, I, sometimes, and I'm going to be totally transparent here, I'd be frustrated. And I'm sitting there, and I know it's hard to see that with this halo. Look at that. But I, I would be frustrated at my wife. I'd be like, oh, goodness, girl. You don't remember that? 
See, I will take a sermon or a teaching like that and I'll chew on it until that bone is raw. I'm getting to the marrow of it. Bev, there's a lot of meat left. I'm going to get the next bone. But it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just the way that we take things in. See, and when I, was, when I got frustrated, I'd be like, man, God, I'd be even frustrated at God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Then the Lord would gently remind me. And he always gently reminds me most of the time. But when it's about that, it's definitely gentle. He says, Cliff, and he talks to me like a dad. Because of my intimacy relationship with him. He says, she's my daughter. And she's just on loan to you. When she and I, meaning Holy, Holy Spirit of God, are together, we are full on. She's my precious little girl. And we dance. And we swing her around. And we're in a place of pure joy. I will reveal to her in my own time, plus that's why I gave her to you, for you to help her to clean the grass stains first off of her dress when, I, when she lets go of my hands when she's swinging around, but to also gently guide her back to me. That takes me out every single time when the whole when the Holy Spirit's talking to me like that, I'm like, whoa, man. She's not mine. Thank you for giving her to me. Wow. But he made me understand that my intimacy and how he speaks to me and how he talks to me and how he gives me revelation is not the way he talks to my wife. And it's not, it's not anything that I'm bigger and better and badder and more spiritual than she is. I'm telling you what, this lady loves the Lord. You ask her to pray for her, pray for you, she will. She will get on her knees and she will invade that throne. So when the Lord deposits that kind of wisdom in me, you better believe I'm going to be able to have a more meaningful marriage and a more meaningful life. So if the Father is talking with me like that, do you think that I have an intimate relationship with Him? You better believe it. God is speaking all the time, folks. But it's the level of your intimacy with Him that determines what you hear and how you hear it. When we live a life like that, it is the beauty of wisdom that helps us skip unnecessary seasons in our life. Ignorance builds walls. Wisdom builds doors. Ignorance builds walls that you struggle and you fight to get over. The wisdom builds doors that you open up to an awesome relationship and a more meaningful life. So the first, what we talked about, so the first thing have to have a revelation knowledge of knowing Him, God the Father, due to their in internal intimacy. Second, we'll do those going to be long between those two. He sees us. We can't get away from an all-seeing God. We live like God is not watching us often. Excuse me. with our little secret sins and our secret ways of going. Here we are, number one. We're in reverence and have an intimacy with God the Father. And over here, our flesh man takes over and says, well, he is an all-seeing God, but he doesn't see me when I'm in the middle of looking at something horrible on the internet. He doesn't see me when I'm purging food and want to eat more and be a glutton. Because I'm doing it in secret. 
ridiculous to think that we serve a God that doesn't see those things and doesn't want us to change those things in our life. Amen. And it starts with wisdom and intimacy. For example, if you think about that, how many people do we know in this, in our lives, just in this room, that are bitter towards God or bitter towards Christianity? Because God hasn't made everything just perfect or that God hasn't done it in their perspective or their way. Because of a lack of wisdom and a void of internal intimacy. That's the reason why that we find ourselves in situations that we probably should have wisdom not to. Dave, can I share that thing about your knee? Would you mind? Talking about wisdom. We, we were talking before church and Dave says, I said, Dave, how you doing? He goes, well, um, my knees messed up. I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but he was like, I was, was it wakeboarding or hoverboarding? Okay. How old are you, Dave? <laughs> he's hoverboarding and he takes out his knee. Then, instead of Staying off of it, letting it heal, putting some ice on it, taking care of it. What do you do, Dave? <laughs> He's not going to tell you, but he did, I don't know, bike riding, mountain climbing, all this stuff that he goes and does after that. And now he's he's got the issue. Now he's got to, what, got to go to the doctor and get it taken care of? That's been uh, Yeah, draining and stuff. So do you think that was wisdom? <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I know he's turning red right now. But, you know, I love this man, and he knows I love him. And, and I, I can use him as an example this morning. That is great. But I've done those things. Have you? Have you ever made something in your life where you go, man, I shouldn't have did that? That wasn't very wise in doing that. I think everyone in here has done that. But the big thing is I see how people will take something like that, a, a mistake or something that they weren't very wise about, and they'll use it to blame God. Yeah. And they get bitter towards God because, oh, God must have did that to me. I don't think God made you ride a hoverboard. <laughs> this, this gets so bitter that it actually gets to the point where you... Renounce your Christianity? You renounce anything to do with God? Because why? Because of your decision or because of his decision? My own son and daughter-in-law renounced Christ last year. Now, I'm not talking about just a normal 40-year-old working-class guy. My son-in-law, or my son is a worship leader at his church. He was ordained, or he was went to seminary. He knows the word. My daughter-in-law, same way. She became, she got her license to be a worship leader. She could preach or teach. She does all these things. Now these people know the word. They know God. But you know what was lacking? Intimacy and wisdom. They allowed a pastor to get up into a pulpit, a man, an ordained man, to get up and to hurt them because their eyes was where? On the man. And they allowed that to sway their decisions on their eternal and their external salvation. They don't have hope now. You know what their hope is? Money. And he's making lots of it. 
God blessed the soft talk, man. When he was underneath the umbrella of, of being a worship leader and a lover of the Lord, God was blessing him like unbelievable. The last wage was a half a million dollars a year. To me, that's a tremendous amount of money. Maybe to most of you, it's not. But to him, it was just no big deal. And it hurts my soul, it hurts my heart, because it says in the Word, it says, raise them up in the way that they should go, and when they get older, they would not depart from it. I'm holding on to that nugget. Yes. I'm holding on to that. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal that from me. That's mine. That's wisdom. See, the God I worship never changes. He's pure love. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he only wants the very best for me and for you all the time. Let me show you the difference between humanity and the deity of who Christ is. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians 4.16, please? It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed every day. For our light afflictions, which are here for just for a moment, is working as a far more exceedingly and external weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, we can see the effects of those things, can't we? I can see the effects of Sam's love towards me. He squeezes me like a bear when he sees when he finds me. He kisses me on the cheek. We can see the effects of the wind. When it blows down the tree in our backyard, we have to go clean it up. We can't see the wind. some of us can't see is an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God that is desperately trying to 
get your attention. There is so much more, people. Let me tell you, there's so much more to this God we serve than what you think or what you even can see or don't see. Because oftentimes we do it that way. We think of God as what we can see, the temple, these yeah. temple things. God's trying to tell us that the things that you can't see is why, is where that intimacy lies and where that wisdom lies, is the things that you can't see. And don't go by those bad situations. Don't try to put him as this God that's creating these bad situations. If I go to another funeral and somebody comes up to me and says, well, God must have needed him more than me, I'm going to probably throw it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? God did not need your husband. God did not need your friend. God loved them and he cherishes them, but he didn't take them. And that's why you hear a lot. God must have needed them more than me. He took them. God doesn't take people. The enemy does. Right. Enemies came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Yep. Amen. So don't give the credit of killing somebody or destroying somebody. I don't know if that's credit. To God. God's not that kind of God that you serve. When you say that stuff, it drives me crazy, and it should drive you crazy when people say that stuff. Amen. You know where wisdom comes from? Is this word. Yes. My word is amazing. Your word is amazing. God's word is amazing. Yes. See, I read in the first part of this book, and it's in the book of Genesis. It says where God, where the fall of man came, prior to the fall of man came was what? A beautiful garden, tranquility. God was everywhere. He was walking in the garden with them all the time. And it shows the sin of man there. And then you go all the way to the book of Revelations. And what does it say? It says that there's a God that's going to restore all that. Hallelujah. All that before the fall. All that before that corruption. All that before pornography. All that before sickness. Yeah. All that before all these things that we are just plagued with. He's going to restore all that. Thank you. He'll reestablish it to back to what he intended it to be. And in the middle of all that, in the middle of Genesis and Revelations. God writes this, this beautiful love letter. And he writes it with his own son's blood. To remind us how much he loves us. How much he wants to have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with us. And without an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father, you won't know your destiny. And if you don't know your destiny, Mark, you don't have any hope. God dealt with that. 
on the cross. And if you trust him and believe him that that happened, then you're in right standing or you're justified. Just as if I never sinned. back up. I'm not going to go long here. And as, as they make their way back up here, I really want you not to miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to say here today. I know this is short, and it's kind of scattered around a little bit. If you're here today and you don't have that personal relationship, or if you're not saved or you don't even know if you're saved, that can be rectified in a minute. And we can do it right here at these altars. If you come up here and you want prayer, I promise you that a prayer partner will be up here to pray with you, to love on you. Let it start with a heart of gratitude. 
Father, we just love you so much. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for showing us. Father, we thank you for all the things we can see and all the things we can't see. We thank you, Lord, that this life is just temporal. And we don't have to live in these decaying bodies. We don't have to always be in a decaying society. Because you've already prepared the place. And you said you already sent your son to go to start the preparation. The preparations for the Mary's supper and for a house. You made me an apartment. A nice one. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Father. Love you so much, and I thank you so much for all that you're doing for us. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, God. 